Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Daniel chapter 12. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one. Daniel chapter 12. And uh, we are, Lord willing, coming to a close this morning of our counterculture series, the verse-by-verse study through the book of Daniel. And you know what that means is that, so next Sunday, what we've been doing as we've closed a book of the Bible, we teach verse-by-verse through books of the Bible. As we close a book of the Bible, what we'd like to do is, is give you an opportunity to say, hey, this is what God spoke to me about in this, in this, through, as we went through this series. We'd like to have you give a testimony about what God's doing in your life as it relates to the teaching of the Word of God. What's God doing? Like, how is God using His Word to change you? You know, did you know, did you know about prophecy, or do you have a better handle on prophecy now as we've gone through these verses and as we'll close today? You know, what has God been speaking to you about in the past, like, four months as we've gone through the, the book of Daniel? We want to hear, and it's encouraging to the body to hear how God uses His Word to, to insight, you know, give us insight, give us wisdom to change our lives. So if you um, would like to do that, then would you contact myself or Pastor Mike? You can call the church number, uh, 931-922-6308, and you can let them know, hey, I want to give a testimony on Sunday. If you don't feel comfortable, and by the way, um, like no more than like five minutes or so, you know, it, it, what we're looking for are highlights of what God has done over the past several months of your life as we've gone through this. Now, um, if you don't feel comfortable getting up here, that's okay because we live in the um, technology age and we can use technology to capture your testimony. We, you can just take your phone. Uh, if, if you are technologically challenged, turn your phone this way and just press record on your camera and you speak into that camera and you say, hey, this is what God's done in my life. And you send that, um, which is a little bit of a challenge, by the way. If you need help with that, let us know. But we need to get that video so we can put it up. And you can be here and you don't have to get up and talk. The main point is that we, can, that we get to hear what God's doing in your life. So if you would love to do that, we would love to have you do that. And that would be awesome. Um, so we're, we're closing out the book this morning. And man, I don't know about you guys, but it's been a great journey through the book of, um, the, the, the book of Daniel. And, and I'll say that Pastor Mike and Pastor Brian did a great job of bringing home the last uh, several chapters. It's been really encouraging. It's been really good to um, w- the, the focus and all of the, um, I, hope you've, I hope you've got a lot of details that you didn't have beforehand, and I hope that God really brought, gave you some clarity as it relates to things to come. Now, um, I, I hope ultimately, like, like the, the vibe that you have as we're closing this chapter this morning, as a believer in Jesus Christ, is that you're not afraid of the tribulation period that you're not afraid of the things that are going on in our world today, that you are not captured by fear because here, th- there's so much um, that we've talked through in this, uh, in this study through, through these 12 chapters that you should have a good understanding of the reality of where the church fits relating to these prophecies. And what we're going to see today, and in fact, I hope you've caught on as Pastor Mike started in chapter 8 and Pastor Brian ended last week, in chapter 11, he finished chapter 11, that ultimately what, what God is speaking to Daniel about is particular to the nation of Israel. He's talking about his people. And what, what is so interesting about um, the, the way that this all pans out is that God um, is responding to Daniel's concern about his nation. So, so you get to, um, you know, Daniel chapter chapter 8, and you, and you watch um, God, Daniel pleading for the people, and he's like asking God, he's, his heart is broken for the nation of Israel because, the, you know, he, he's, he's seeing uh, the, the writing on the wall as it relates to, you know, the close of the Babylonian Empire, and he knows that the Medo-Persians are going to take over. What does that mean for Babylon? He's also talking about the 70-year um, prophecy that he's been researching in the Word of God through the prophet Jeremiah. And so Daniel's heart is broken for the people because what he notices is that the 70 years is closed. He understands that the children of Israel are supposed to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild and restore it, but most of them are still in Babylon. Most of them stay 
in the Medo-Persian Empire. They, they get comfortable in that state. And he says, Lord, what about, what about your people? What's going to happen to your people? What's going to happen to the nation of Israel? And the Lord responds directly to his prayer. Daniel's fasting. He's praying. He's saying, God, will you show me what this, how this all relates to your people? And so because, uh, you know, it's specific to the nation of Israel, we get, we get a lot of details uh, relating to, you know, that specific thing. And, and we're going to close it out today with uh, kind of talking about the, 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 the tribulation period, primarily the last portion of the tribulation period into the millennial reign of Christ and then on to the end. But here's what's interesting, as you'll notice this morning. God says to Daniel, close it up. Close up these prophecies, Daniel. They're not for you. They're, they're not meant for uh, your complete understanding. You prayed, I answered, and now I've given you the word. Now what, what, what you need to do is rest in that and you know, not be so concerned about all of the details and the understanding of all this prophecy that you get so wrapped up in that you, that you stop doing your job now. And I think that's a word because I think some people get so wrapped up in the details of the tribulation period and the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and all that that we study that more than we study the word of God, which has no actually relevance to the church, which we'll see in a second, at least from my perspective in the way that I see scripture. And I think that it's very clear about that. But we'll talk about that in a moment. We're going to talk about the tribulation period. And, and God wants you, God wants you to have light rela relating to this so that you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be fearful regarding this. God is not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and what? A sound mind. God wants you to understand these things because truth, it, it, um, truth brings light, which exposes darkness, and God doesn't want you to be in the dark about what's coming. He wants us as his church, number one, to be comforted in knowing the things that are going on in this world are our part of his plan. We don't have to freak out when we start to see the world fall apart, right? Because we know that the world is going to fall apart. I mean, it is. It will. It'll be united. There will be a one-world government. There'll be a one-world currency. Why does that surprise you when you see it in the news? Why does that seize you with fear when you start to hear people talk about these things? It's because you don't either, you've not spent the time to understand it or you don't have a proper understanding of it. So, so here's, here's the reality is that when it comes to these things, when it comes to truth, truth is meant to re, re, remove fear. It's, it's meant to give us understanding so that we don't have to live in the dark. Listen, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about, like you're in the unknown situation, how are you feeling? Like you have no idea what's going to happen, you're in the situation, you know that things are getting tense, maybe it's about your job, and you know your job, you know, your, your, your job's going to be on the line, and, and you're sitting there waiting, and you're in, the, you're in the wait, you're trying to, you don't have any light, how you feel about that? Doesn't it create worry? Doesn't it create fear? But isn't it interesting that when we get a little truth, we get a little bit of a, a light that shine into the dark place that we're in that all of a sudden we're like, oh, oh, we're just restructuring. We're not, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna lose my job. Oh, how much relief do you have then? Does that connect with anybody? So, so the reality is, is truth brings light and exposes darkness and that removes fear. That's what God wants us to understand here. Um, so, so that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to help the church understand that the truth regarding the tribulation time and, and all of these things. He wants to comfort us, but he also wants to prod us. He wants to prod the church. He wants the church to go out and do what it's called to do. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, number two, and the primary thing that God is going to do during the tribulation period, which we've been talking about for the past four chapters, is he's going to turn his heart towards Israel. And he's going to focus on the nation of Israel and their they're just hard-heartedness towards rejection of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, rejection of God's truth um, relating to the, the scriptures and kind of created their own religion, really. 
ultimately is what they've done. So God has, has we're going to see, partially hardened the, the nation of Israel. And what he's doing right now is he has turned his heart towards the Gentiles. You see, the nation of Israel was supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. Who's a Gentile here? Anybody else a Gentile? I'm a Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. So, you know, everybody else that's not Jewish is Gentile. So the Jews had a specific call from God, and that was to be the light to the world, to the Gentiles. In other words, God didn't say, hey, become reclusive, become exclusive. He said, I want you to go out and take the Take my message into the world and be a light to people who are pagan. And you see, what happened was these guys turned so religious, they turned so self-inward, they turned so inward that they couldn't see past themselves that they stopped trying to proselytize and share the message of God, and they, they were not the light that they were called to be. So what did God do? What was his response? He sent light into the world to go share the gospel with the Gentiles. And he did that through a specific person, actually. You recall the, the, the conversion of Saul to Paul in Acts chapter 9. Uh, when Paul got saved, uh, the Lord gave him a very specific call in his life. And the, the Lord told him in Acts chapter 9, verse 15 and 16, but the Lord said to him, uh, go for he is a chosen, speaking of Saul, for he's a chosen instrument of mine, to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul became the light to the... He, began, he became, became the kind of first sort of guy that cracked the, 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 the door opened for the gospel to go into the Gentile world. Do you, do you realize that the early church, um, Peter, James, all of these guys... That was still an issue because they were so ingrained in their culture that culture was sort of dictating what the message was from them. They were holding back the gospel. And, and the Lord said, no, you can't hold back the gospel. The gospel is for the world. So he sends Paul to go out into the Gentile world and, and tell people about Jesus. Now, he also used Peter, didn't he? In Acts chapter 10, we see Peter has a dream. And the Lord's, Lord, he sees this sheet, and he sees these animals on it. And of course, because he's very Jewish, he's worried about what's unclean to eat and what's clean to eat. And the Lord says, Peter, don't worry about what's unclean and what's clean. Everything that I've made is okay. And th what he was trying to tell Peter is that the gospel is not just meant for the Jews, but it's meant for the Gentiles as well. And so Peter, of course, goes to Cornelius' house, and they all get saved. And now Peter is perplexed by this, and he comes back to Jerusalem, and he's like, dude, I don't know what happened, but the Holy Spirit fell upon some Gentiles, and I'm like, I, I was hands off. I was like, dude, I, I don't want any part of this. I don't know if this is right or not. You see how we can get ingrained in our, our own religious thoughts that are not in the Bible. That's what happened. And so God said, Paul... You're going to be a light to the Gentiles. And so Paul is primarily why the gospel went through one person, by the way. Through one person. The gospel basically spread across Europe, the Middle East, Asia, Asia Minor. God used Saul, who became Paul, to be a light to the Gentiles. And to be honest with you, uh, not only that, but then he, Paul ends up going on to write most of the New Testament. So, so here's what I'm saying is God can use you. And the light that you're called to bring into the world is, is, is not exclusive. It's not um, seclusive. It's supposed to be out to anybody and everybody that will hear it. Go to the byways and the highways. Go to the, the broken people of this world and tell them about Jesus. You know the person that, is, that you never, ever think is going to come to Christ? You need to go bring the gospel to that person. You need, you need to go to that person. So... So God has this big, big plan in the works. But, but here's the thing about God I don't understand. If I was God, I'd be like, boom, and I would be on to the next thing. But God allows thousands of years to go by. He allows, you know, from, from the fall of man in the Garden of Eden all the way through, um, you know, the coming of Christ, the, the, the thousand-year reign, all these kinds of things, we see ultimately that God is allowing time to, to go on. Why? Why is God allowing time? Why is, why is he allowing thousands of years to transpire between 
um, you know, what, what seems to be different ways that he's relating to the world, right? The first 2,000 years, we see how God's relating to the world. The second 2,000 years, he relates to the world differently. The last 2,000, so, so in other words, he relates to the world the first 2,000 years through the law. The second 2,000 years through, his, through, through, through the coming of his son and the Messiah and all of these kinds of things. The final 2,000 years, which is what, what we're in right now, is through his church. And so he, he's relating to the world in different ways. But here's the thing is there's, there's coming a time and there's coming a close where there'll be a different, a different way that he's going to relate to the world. It's going to be in what's called a, a tribulation period, a seven-year tribulation period. It's going to be when, when God shows the world that he's serious about sin, when God shows the world that there is a penalty for sin, and that penalty is eternal damnation. And so he, he wants the world to understand these things, but he also wants the nation of Israel to understand it because they're off track. They've missed the mark. They have, they have not be, been who they've called to be. They've created their own their own kind of religion and all these things. And, and so God is using Daniel to not only speak into Daniel's prayer life and answer his prayer, but he's also giving us incredible detail as it relates to uh, the, the, the coming of uh, the Messiah, the tribulation period, the, the judgment of, of, of the wrath of God being poured out on the world, seven-year tribulation period, uh, you know, and then the, the thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth, what that's going to look like, which is, by the way, very Jewish. It has nothing to do with the church. It has everything to do with the Jews. If you want to look into that more, read Ezekiel chapter 40 on through the end of the book, and you can see the millennial reign of Christ, how they will have everything that's gone on in the past in terms of a real temple with a real sacrificing system, all of those kinds of things will exist in the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. And the reason it will exist is because God will, for 1,000 years, be showing the nation of Israel how all of these things related to Jesus Christ. How amazing. If you go through the tabernacle, you go through um, the, the, the feasts and all of these things, they all point you to Jesus. And so there will be a very practical um, schooling going on for 1,000 years by Jesus Christ himself in a real temple that will exist and there will be a real sacrificial system happening, not for the forgiveness of sins, for the purpose of pointing backwards to the cross of Calvary where Jesus Christ gave up his life. He became the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. So the, these are all the, um, the, the ideas that are going on here and um, God is again responding to Daniel and Daniel's prayer and uh, he wants to speak to him about the nation of Israel. I'm calling this message the closure this morning, the closure. For, for the closure, um, Daniel is told here in this chapter to shut up the books for a later time. He's telling me to close them up. This is not for you, Daniel, the, the understanding of this, but it's for somebody later. And, and what we find in Daniel's closure is we find closure as it relates to the end of the tribulation and all of these things. So here we go. Stand with me. Daniel chapter 12. We begin in verse 1. And at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. There shall be a time of trouble such as never, such has been seen, uh, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask that you bring clarity to us, Lord. You help us who are sitting here today, God, to have the understanding that, that Daniel didn't have. You told him to close up the books for a latter time, and that time is now, and you want to speak to us, and you want to unveil the truth to us. God, do not allow the enemy to stir our hearts from the message that you have for us here this morning. We want to be open. We want to hear from you. So we ask you to come now again by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So the first thing that we notice is we notice in this text the timing of Israel's deliverance. Now, again, we're picking this up midstream. Really, there shouldn't have been a chapter break right here. The chapter break should have come at chapter 12, verse 4, because really these first four verses belong with 
um, Daniel chapter 11, verses 36, all the way through um, chapter 12, verse 4. They are collectively talking about the same period, which is the tribulation period. So when he says at that time, what time is he speaking about? He's, speak, he's pointing us backwards to what he's just got done saying. In, um, there was a break in chapter 11, verse 36, where he started talking about the rise of the Antichrist and about the tribulation period. So it was at that time. It's during the tribulation period. This is what he's talking about, the, the, the rising of the Antichrist, the seven-year tribulation period. He says that the Lord is going to work on behalf of the nation of Israel. First, through Michael, the archangel. It says he is going to rise up to contend with the powers of darkness for the protection of Israel. Now, this gives us insight to some angelic things that are going on in our lives. You know, we, we say these things, and I don't know that I think they, they become um, cliche statements or they become idioms of our culture, but, but you, know, you know, things like, you know, you have a guardian angel. I, you know, my guardian angel was watching over me. And you wonder, where does that come from in Scripture? Is that in the Bible? I think it is. I think it's right here. I think what we see here, it, to some degree, is that there is a real spiritual forces. We, we, we read about it. We, we talk about the battle that we face as a spiritual battle, you know, and, and so there also has to be spiritual protection from us. And so there's this, this whole realm of the spirit going on, in, you know, in our midst, and it seems to me that we, there's angelic presence in our lives and there's demonic presence that are all battling for, you know, the things that are going on in our world today. Does that sound crazy? Good. That's great. That's real. And if it sounds crazy, then, you know, sometimes we're not willing to hear the truth. That's happening. And, and, and we see it clearly here. He, he says that Satan himself is is trying to rise up against the nation of Israel. He's trying to work against the nation of Israel. And so what happens is Michael, the archangel, which, by the way, the Bible mentions two angels completely, the, the only two names, Gabriel, which we talked about earlier here in Daniel, uh, earlier in the chapter, I think, 10 or so, or no, chapter 9, and then uh, chapter 8, actually. You, it's in there. I mean, I promise you. It's somewhere in there. But, but, but I, I didn't teach those chapters, so my brain's a little bit. But, but it's in there. But Gabriel, and then here we have Michael. But we know that there's a whole bunch of angels in the, you know, that, are, that are working in the world today, and it seems like they are highly, it seems like they are assigned. Does it not? Michael, who is the angel of Israel, it seems, that's what it seems like, so... I would say that God has some sort of assignment upon your life and that God is working on your behalf and that he is, he's got angelic presence in your life. I mean, the, the New Testament tells us that don't be surprised when you entertain angels because they are somehow working in our lives and they are here to help us. So God says, Michael stands up for the nation of Israel and he... Uh, he begins to contend for her. Listen, what's awesome is because God has given us the book of Revelation, we see the contention that happens, actually. Revelation chapter 12. Check this out. Verses 7 through 12. Now, war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, who is Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. Isn't that sound good? He was defeated. He was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, and the ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, listen, 
O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. So here we have this description that's happening during the tribulation period. Don't confuse the timing. Where Michael rises up, there's a battle that breaks out. Listen, in heaven. Satan is in heaven. He's presently accusing the brethren day and night, but, but it says that he was cast out. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. I thought he was cast out already. Didn't Jesus say, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven? Wait a second. How can there be, is this an additional casting? This happens in, you know, sometime during the tribulation period. What is going on here? Well, let me tell you this. There is four specific castings out of the devil as it relates to Scripture. The first time Satan was cast out of heaven was speaking about his dominion in heaven. He no longer has a place in heaven in terms of his, his residence has been changed. That's what Jesus was speaking about when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When he stormed the throne room of God and he said, I will become like the most high God, Jesus said, be gone. And he was gone. His dominion was taken away from him. He no longer had a place in heaven to dwell. But he still had access. How do we know that? Because we see that in the book of Job, don't we? Chapter 1. The Bible actually gives us all these answers if we read it. The book of Job tells us about the spiritual warfare that's happening, that Satan is going to and fro with the Lord. He's accusing the brethren day and night. Well, sometime during the tribulation period when this war breaks out, finally Satan loses access to heaven. He's no longer allowed to come in and accuse the brethren day and night. He can't do that any longer. So what is his response? Here's what, here's what Daniel said. It says that there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. And the book of Revelation chapter 12 tells us that Satan knows that his time is short when this happens. So he brings a wrath upon the world trying to take as many people as with him to hell as he can. He understands the end. He understands that he can't overcome Jesus Christ. He understands that he is a created being who is not the equal of Jesus Christ. He understands that, uh, that, 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 that he's been defeated. Here's the thing, and, and Satan uses this in my life. Maybe somebody here needs to hear this, but there was a period of time in my life where I was so afraid of Satan, and I was afraid of the enemies, and I was afraid of the evil powers in, in this life that I kind of tried to, tried to walk on both sides of the fence. You know what I mean? I love the Lord, but I'm afraid of the enemy. You know what that was? That's called, that's called a, a misunderstanding and also a lack of knowledge as a, as a new believer. And the Lord shared with me, you know, you got to hit him with the first John 4 by 4. You know what the first John 4 by 4 is? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And somebody needs to hear that you have greater power inside yourself this morning in the name of Jesus. You don't have to fear the enemy. He's defeated. He knows he's defeated. Why don't we know that? He's defeated. And so he's going to rise up and cause all these problems on earth. And it is, it's going to be a time that, is, that, that, has, that will go on on this earth during this tribulation period like nobody has seen. Now, understand, there's two things going on now then. We have the wrath of God that's coming down upon the, the face of this world and, uh, and the reason for that, by the way, redemption. The tribulation period is about redemption. It's about God redeeming Israel, and it's about redeeming anybody else who wants to be redeemed. This is not, the, the tribulation period is not payment for sin. That's called hell. Eternal damnation. Forever and ever, that's how you will pay for your sins outside of Jesus Christ. But the, the wrath of God was satisfied through the cross of Jesus Christ. And so when God, when, when, 
when this wrath, you know, is being poured out on the world, it's meant because God is saying, I'm serious about sin, and I'm trying to get your attention, and I don't know what I got to do, but I'm willing to do whatever to get your attention, and that's what he's doing. It's not a payment for sin, but, but the reality is the enemy at the same time, it, it says, is going to unleash wrath on the world, so you see both of it. And when does that happen? Well, Daniel tells us clearly. It's Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, midway through the tribulation period, which seems to be when this happens because there's the enemy begins to pour out wrath upon the nation of Israel. The first three and a half years is a, is a season of what? Peace. The second three and a half years is a season of what? War. War against the nation of Israel, specifically the entire world against the nation of Israel. And God will protect her. And God will protect her. So um, Jesus said about this time frame, about the time of Jacob's trouble, about the tribulation period, the great tribulation period, all of these different names, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 24, 22, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Who is the elect in this specific situation? He's primarily the nation of Israel. But anybody who's a believer is the elect of God. So, you know, the, the nation of Israel is the focus of the tribulation. But listen, it, it won't be the only people being saved during this time. We see 144,000 Jews that are sealed and saved and sent into the world to tell people about the Lord. Then there'll be many other people who will get saved as a result of their ministry. Remember, the two witnesses will show up. In the, in the beginning of the tribulation period, they will begin to proclamate. They will show the, the signs of Elijah, and they'll so, there'll be all kinds of things. By the way, uh, with our technology today, this will be viewable for everyone who's around, right? You see these two, these two witnesses, and they'll be doing these things and all, all this kind of stuff for the sake of redemption. God wants to save people. God loves people. We might not love people like God loves people. I promise you, you don't. But God loves people. He, he desires no one to perish, but all to come to repentance. Notice, but at that time, your people shall be delivered. Now, this doesn't mean that all of Israel is going to be saved. If, if there's a misunderstanding if, you know, regarding this for some people. Um, you know, what, what is the only way to be saved? Through Jesus Christ. Now, if you're, if you're a, 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 an Old Testament saint then your salvation relates to what? You're looking for the coming of the Messiah. That's what it relates to. It relates to your looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. We as the church in this day and age are, you know, relates to the fact of we're looking backwards at the coming, uh, th that the Messiah actually came. And um, during this time, there'll be, there'll be people that will be saved. They'll be looking for Jesus. He's the only one that can be saved. There is a, what is called, you know, a, a true spiritual Israel. There's a true spiritual Israel. A true spiritual Israel speaks about it in uh, Romans chapter 11. Paul is talking about a true spiritual Israel, not a nation Israel, not a, a secular, um, you know, a, a people group called Jews, but actually a spiritual, a true spiritual um, uh, people um, called Israel. And those people who are looking to Messiah and not just mere religion, they, they are the ones that are saved because we can only overcome by one way, through the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So, so that's the idea there. It says that their names, th those who, who have overcome in that manner, their names are written in the book of life. That's the way anybody's name is written in the book of life. Listen, the book of life begins by, you know, the, 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 it's blank. It's a book that has no names in it. And when you get saved, God puts your name in it. Your name, if you're saved right now, God wrote your name in the book of life. But listen, there's another book. The book of remembrance. That book is a book that has the names of everybody in it. And when David said, don't blot my name out of the book, he was talking about that book. He didn't have an understanding of the book of life. The book of life comes through relationship with Jesus Christ, and that's how your name is written in it. Spirit, true spiritual Israel, these people who come to know the Lord, their names are written in the book of life because of their relationship with God through his son. 
And so, you know, he tells them there, there's a promise here. And why is that promise given? Why is he saying that Israel will be saved? Because God keeps his promises. Remember the promise of Abraham? Abraham, Genesis chapter 17, where God said, Abraham, I'm going to save your descendants. I'm going to, I'm going to minister in their lives. I'm going to draw them to yourself. I'm going to save them. God keeps his promises. Whatever God has told you he's going to do in your life, he's going to do it. He will do it. He does not fail when it comes to his promises. And that's why he's saying Israel will be saved because they're descendants of Abraham, and he gave Abraham a promise. And God, God fulfills his promises. Listen, the, 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 the enemy may be able to kill your body, but he cannot kill your soul. He cannot kill your soul. And, and so, you know, he, these people, a lot of these people in the tribulation time will give their lives up. They'll be beheaded for the sake of Christ. Why do you think God is working tirelessly in, 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 our, in our generation right now to save people? Why is he working so hard? Because he doesn't want you to be present in that moment. And, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But so, so, so here's the reality is that God is going to deliver Israel. It's a promise. Why? Because God keeps his promises. Look at verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust in the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Now, this is a reference right now. So, so, Dan, so God is um, giving Daniel an understanding as he's moving through the tribulation period, now he, he, he enters into what is called the thousand-year reign of Christ. He enters into this moment here where he begins to describe these resurrections. Okay, there's, there's, res there's two resurrections that occur in the book of Revelation chapter 20. Here's the first one. The first one is the resurrection un of the dead unto eternal life. And then there is the resurrection of the dead unto eternal death. And this occurs during the, the thousand-year reign of Christ, right? Right at the end of the tribulation period when Jesus sets up his kingdom, there's the resurrection to life. And we're going to see that in Revelation chapter four, verse, uh, 20, verse 4 through 6. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those who, to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. Listen, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection over such a second death has no power but they um, will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Here's an interesting thing. So you have right here, this is speaking about, it's speaking about people who were killed during the tribulation period. But notice, it's also speaking about Old Testament saints. Old Testament saints will be resurrected, and they will come, and they will live in the thousand-year tribulation period where God will show them how the temple relates to Jesus Christ. And so anybody who survived the tribulation, um, you know, period, will enter in. Anybody who's a believer will sur who survives <laughs> the, the battle of Armageddon, which is no battle at all, but that's what we call it, so okay. But, and, then, and then we have th this idea that um, the people who were alive enter into the millennial kingdom. Where do the, what, other people come? So where do they come from? The resurrection. So you have people who died during the tribulation who are resurrected to live in the thousand-year reign of Christ. Then you also have Old Testament saints. Where are we? We're ruling and reigning with Christ. Listen, our resurrection has already happened. You know that, right? That happens in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. That's when our resurrection happens, when we, when we are raptured out of here, and it says the dead in Christ Shall, you know, um, shall be caught up first, and then we who are alive will be gathered together with them to be caught up in the air with the Lord to be with him forever. Man, is that good or what? 
So, so, so here's the thing is that there's a couple different resurrections that occur. There's a resurrection that occurs during the rapture. There's also a resurrection that occurs at the end of the tribulation period, the beginning of the thousand-year reign of Christ, which is speaking about a resurrection to life. Now, the other resurrection that he speaks about in verse 2 of Daniel chapter 12 is the resurrection to, the, to, to, um, to eternal death. Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 through 15 tells us about this. And when the thousand years were ended, Satan will be released from the prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to, get, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain and of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they were tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it from his presence, present earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is called the book of life. And the dead who were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in them. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they'd done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the, um, this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So, um, what we have here is a resurrection to eternal death. And it's based on what you do with Jesus. It's based on whether you receive Jesus or not receive Jesus. Gabriel, who is the angel speaking to Daniel here in Daniel chapter 12, goes on to say this. Um, you know, he, he gives this, this idea. He said that, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those, and those who may turn to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Gabriel is saying that those who are wise will be light. Isn't it interesting that Jesus called us the light of the world? As we receive the light from him, we become the light, and Gabriel's saying it's wise to shine that light. It's wise to allow that light to come. Why? So that many can turn to Christ. Listen, I don't know if you're shining your light today. I'm going to tell you, statistically speaking, 95% of people in this room are going to tell one, people, one person about Jesus this year. One. Do you think that's what Jesus had in mind in the Great Commission? Go therefore into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Listen, I don't say that to beat you down. I say that to encourage you. We have to be on mission. Being wise in Christ means utilizing the light that he's given you to be a light to the world. And Gabriel's saying, man, the people that do that, they're wise. Be wise. Look for opportunities to shine the light into people. They need it. They're desperately in need of Jesus. And I don't care how outward that looks and how, you know, repulsive and, and, and you know, it looks to you. They are desperately in need of Jesus. How else will they hear? Paul says in Romans chapter 10, unless someone sent. Someone was sent to you. God opened up the gospel to you. Will you not do the same? Be wise with the gospel. Daniel, he goes on here, Gabriel says, Daniel, shut up the books. For this prophecy is not for you. This prophecy is, is and what he was saying is, in, in, this prophecy is not for you in the, time, in, in the sense of knowing the times and the seasons that all this is going to occur. He's just telling him, Daniel, I'm going to take care of the nation of Israel, and I love that you care about them, and I love that you're fasting and praying for your brothers and, and, and for your nation, for, for those people that aren't doing that on their own behalf. I'm glad that you are stepping in as a mediator, and you're saying, God, Will you work in their life? Will you forgive me for my sins? Will you forgive the, this nation for their sins? That's what he's doing. Fasting for 21 days. And the Lord says, Daniel, I love you, man. I love your heart for people. You have my heart. 
because that's a, the heart for people is God's heart. And he, and he shows him these things because he wants him to be encouraged to continue on to shine the light as he's called to. And listen to what it says here at the end of, these, at the end of verse 4. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. He's describing the, the sort of the, the flavor of what it's going to be like at the, in the end times there. And he says, many will run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So what he's saying is that, um, you know, a lot of people have, have taken this verse and say, hey, it relates to travel and, you know, being able to go to and fro on the earth. That's not what it means. What this is speaking about is the ability to go to and fro, this hunger for knowledge, this hunger being able to go to and fro and, and get, gain all kinds of understanding as it relates to, you know, to, to biblical things. In the end times, they will run to and fro and have great understanding. We have right now, presently in this day and age, folks, more understanding, more biblical understanding of prophecy than anybody that's ever lived. And I don't care if you're Charles Spurgeon. I don't care if you're, you know, Charles Wesley. I don't care who you are. We, because of the state and the day in which we live, God has unveiled knowledge to us. We have what's called the information highway. You know, and, and we, 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 we can run to and fro upon the information highway, and we can gain all kinds of access to, to, to good teachings. Now, now I, know you, um, I know you don't know this, but everything that's written on the Internet is not true. So make sure you, make sure you don't utilize all this information. But, but the idea is that you're gonna, there's going to be a hunger and thirst to know the end-time things that are going on in this culture. And so, Daniel, it's not for you, but in the end, they will understand. And God's, God's heart for you today is that you understand, that you know. You know the things that are coming. Um, I'm gonna, we're out of time, so I'm going to close. But here's the thing. The reality is, is that we'll go on to talk about this uh, next time. But, you know, God, God wants his church to be, to be informed about tribulation, about all of the things um, that are going on because he wants us on mission. He wants us shining the light. He wants a, there to be a, a sense of urgency in our heart that says, listen, these people need to know before the wrath of God is poured out and before the enemy unleashes in this seven-year tribulation period. He will deceive people like never before. And, you know, we have an, a great opportunity. Right now, God is, is specifically trying to reach the world through his church. That will come to a close at the rapture. And then he will try and reach the world one last time through his wrath. And he doesn't want, he, he wants to use you today to bring the grace of God. We live in the age of grace. God wants to bring the grace upon this world so that they don't have to experience the wrath. Will you be the, the, the Isaiah of this generation that says, here am I, send me God. Just today, Lord, I'm saying I'm here. I'm available. I don't know everything. Um, you know, but I'm willing. Will you be that person? Listen, God's not going to um, not save people if you don't say yes. But you have an incredible opportunity today to say yes to that call and, and, and the Lord use you in, in an incredible way, in a significant way. If he can take Saul, who became Paul, and utilize him to write maybe 14 books of the New Testament and bring the gospel across uh, the, the nations, can he use you? You bet he can. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. We thank you, God, for the prophecy that we find in Daniel and, and for the, the continued word that you've given us, God, and the rest of your scriptures, Father, to understand biblical prophecy and what, what it all entails and how we, it relates to us. And so we ask you this morning, Lord, if there's fear in our hearts relating to the things that are going on in our world today, will you bring that comfort that we need through the understanding of your word and through the light that we have nothing to fear because you're in control. There's not a single thing that's going to happen in this world that you have not okayed. Not one thing. 
And although that might be a dilemma for some this morning, Lord, that is a great comfort for many. Lord, because you are sovereign. And so we want to come to you this morning in our feebleness, Lord, in our brokenness, and we want to just say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Will you use me? Take my life, Lord. Do what you will. I want to be used, Lord. Father, for anyone here this morning watching online, listening to this message later, the gospel of Jesus Christ is available this morning. It's available anytime until we breathe our last breath. But right now, Lord, if there's anyone that needs right relationship with you, will you come by your spirit, God? Will you invoke that in their hearts? It's not a religious move. It's a relational move that says, Jesus, I want to be in right relationship with God, and you're the only way. If that's you this morning, you just pray this prayer in your heart in sincerity. The gospel is the power of salvation for those who believe. It's in all sincerity and faith this morning. If you believe, you will be saved. The Bible tells us that. It promises that. If that's you this morning, you just say, Lord, here I am. I'm a sinner, and I'm in desperate need of forgiveness this morning. I feel the weight of my sin. Not even to the same degree as I ought to, but Lord, I do know that I have failed and I need to be forgiven and I do not want to experience your wrath. I believe Jesus took my wrath on the cross and that he died for me personally so that I could be saved. I'm turning away from my sin today. I'm turning to you, Jesus. I believe that you died and rose again from the dead for me and I'm giving you my life. Thank you for making me new. And Lord, for the rest of us here today, will you just continue to fan the flame and help us to exalt you as we ought to. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.